1: we ready for the mba season it is upon us y'all give thanks <laughs> we'll preview some of the biggest storylines some under the radar things that we want to watch out for but before we get into all of that good stuff miss darlene let's jump it buckets boards and blocks is a presentation of pure hoops media Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Darlene, appreciate you, my girl. Thank you so much. All right, guys, the new NBA season promises to be a wild one. We got old faces in new places, hot young rookies, And for the first time in years, we honestly, I hope you haven't anyway, have not penciled in the Warriors for a trip to the finals. Look at that. It's just a whole change in dynasty. Today, I'm going to be joined by my producer, my loyal sidekick, this fantastic guy. He's just an all-around great guy, Bruce Bernstein. He's also the chief content officer of Pure Hoops Media. He's been following the NBA since the 1960s and oversaw NBA studio shows at ESPN for many years. So he is well-versed, well-qualified. I can't wait to have this conversation. Let's get into it. Bruce, I'm welcoming you to the podcast, like, officially as an official guest this time.
0: (laughs) It is such a treat to be here talking (laughs) hoops with Monica McNutt, the great Monica McNutt. Monica, this season is going to be awesome And the stories go from coast to coast. So I think we should start out West in Los Angeles. What do you think of LeBron and all his peeps?
1: You know, Bruce, what do we think of LeBron and all his peeps? The Lakers obviously are a contender. And we've had this conversation on this pod with you and I and some of our other guests. We know Vegas loves the Lakers and now the Clippers. The thing for me in L.A., is going to be LeBron's age. Right? We he's what? 17-year career? This Basically is 17, yep. Right. Basically, most of his career never dealt with any major injuries. He's just a specimen. But I do think to a degree, Father Time is undefeated, especially when he's playing alongside Anthony Davis. So I think LeBron is a very smart player. And obviously, we've seen him team up, as he did in Miami. Dwayne Wade was at his peak. Well, maybe not his peak, but was still a bona fide star. Chris Bosh, we had to make the ball work. I'm curious to see how much more of LeBron James' basketball IQ we see demonstrated with this Lakers unit. Because I don't think that he's going to necessarily continue to be
0: the same player physically. Um, the thing about LeBron that I think one of the reasons I've always been such a fan of his, his basketball IQ is so off the charts. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know about his physical gifts and his powerful body and seemingly indestructible body until last year. You're right. That was really the first time he had to deal with an actual injury. But his one of the things I've always loved about LeBron is that he wants his teammates to do well. He's not one of these guys that talks the game He gives the ball up. He gets some shots where they can make them. And I think he enjoys the success of his teammates. And look, at this stage of his career, he might have to go through a little bit of load management himself this year, right? I mean, it's tough in the West because, you know, one or two losses could mean the difference between a couple different spots in the standings. So it's going to be a real balancing act. But I think they don't have to have the best record in the West. They just have to hit the postseason playing well and being healthy and have an identity as a team. And LeBron holds the strings to all that stuff.
1: Agree with you hundred percent there. In fact, I have a friend uh, who works for the players association. He's like, the Lakers are going to be terrible in the regular season. They're j- literally just going to limp into the playoffs and then go from there. Um, I also personal reasons tied to our local area. Another, hopeful guest on the podcast. I really want to see how Quinn cook develops out there. I almost, I know Mario Chalmers used to catch a lot of flack under LeBron, (laughs) like get blamed for stuff, but I can only imagine the way that playing alongside those guys elevated Mario's game. And Quinn is such a work workhorse. He's loved around the league um, and beyond by so many people. I think there was a great piece in the athletic about how many different friends connected industry folks that he has. Um, So personally shout out to the DMV area. I'm excited to see how his game goes to another level out there with those
0: guys. You know, LeBron says that he feels the offense should run through Anthony Davis. And when, you know, you kind of roll your eyes at that a little bit because he's such a ball dominant guy. But if you think about it, he has the power to make that happen. So if he wants the offense to run through Anthony Davis, guess what? Anthony's going to get a whole lot of touches in sweet spots on the floor and really, LeBron could, could really ignite his game to a level even higher than what we've seen.
1: The only thing that we have to even remotely compare LeBron and AD together would be AD and Boogie when Boogie was healthiest in terms of another dominant player. I didn't Now You got to help me, Bruce, because, you know, you got your NBA depth of knowledge as well. I, didn't, I don't remember seeing a ton of AD and Boogie together. In fact, I kind of remember paying more attention to that team when boogie got hurt um so i'm not sure what gentry was cooking up that worked obviously lebron and boogie's games are a little bit different but to me the bigger conversation it says that ad can play alongside a superstar as well
0: you know it's funny when when they were able to play some games together in new orleans they actually played pretty well uh before boogie got hurt and one of the key guys that kind of made the boogie ad thing work was Rajan Rondo, who was running point mm-hmm. for them. Now Rondo is on the Lakers this year, right? And I'm not sure if he's going to be playing, you know, 30, 32 minutes a game. I'm, I'm not really sure, but he's, of, you know, Rondo's a kind of a prickly sort of guy to a lot of people, but he knows how to talk to teammates. And I think he's going to be a key guy in, in the in making the chemistry work there too, because he's done it before. And I think he's a guy that LeBron respects because look, they had some great battles when Rondo was on the Celtics, you know, and LeBron was on Cleveland and on Miami. So I think that uh, the, that comparison is a good one by you because Rondo was a part of that. And now Rondo's a part of this. So hmm. we'll see. Okay.
1: Yeah. Rondo could, yeah. Could Rondo be the little red cocktail straw that stirs the drink? I also think though, a guy that we got to keep an eye on a, another big play in this off season. I think Danny green matters because he's going to create some spacing on the floor because of his ability to shoot. He's a three and D guy. Another guy that's well liked around the league goes in, does his job, doesn't stir up any dust. I, I don't, I don't know, Bruce. I, I still think, all right, so let's, let's keep this combo rolling. We'll stay in La La Land. Lakers Clippers. You only can get one out of that building. Are you taking the Lakers?
0: If people are healthy, if everybody's healthy, I really kind of like the Lakers over the Clippers. And again, the Clippers—I mean, a lot of people say, "Oh no, the Clippers are definitely coming out of the West." So I mean, not to poo-poo them at all. Um, You know, if you want to talk about two unbelievably great wing players in their prime, two-way guys—you know, PG thirteen and and Kawhi—I mean, that's a pretty nasty combo. I mean, you can stop one on a given night, maybe you're not going to stop them both. You know, Agreed. you just aren't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and both of them can shut you down on defense. They have a great coach. Duck Rivers to me is the ideal coach to, to handle that crew. And then if you look at, look at some of the complementary pieces that they have there, Lou Williams is just, he just, he's like a Jamal Crawford type of a guy. I mean, he might be a hundred years old and he can still come off the bench and get 18 on about eight shots, you know? So he's uh I think, believe it or not, I feel LA, the L.A. Lakers may be a little bit deeper than the Clippers. But I'll give uh, the Clippers the edge on coaching. I think Doc is a better coach than Frank Vogel. I also think we could be looking at a little bit of coaching hot seat for Frank Vogel, too. Because you know his number one assistant there is Jason Kidd, right? Mm-hmm. And Jason, it, look, he's a Hall of Famer. He, he was on the Olympic team with LeBron, right? So LeBron's going to love the guy, probably. So if they start out like, you know, eight and six, that seat's going to heat up on Frank Vogel a little bit, and Jason Kidd's going to be like, I'm ready for my close-up. Okay, but if
1: – you, I don't see this as a whole little diversion, but this is why I love having these conversations with you. Eight and six, that's 14 games in. It will be hot already, you think? It's L.A., Monica, right? I, I mean, get it, but you you brought in Frank Vogel with this all star cast. If you were gonna, if it's gonna get hot at that point, then why did you even do that? Just hire Jason Kidd, who, honestly, Giannis bloomed after Jason Kidd left Milwaukee. So, what are we actually saying?
0: That's a really good point. I agree with that hundred percent. It's weird. I mean, the, the 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 Lakers I think it's almost like watching when 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 I was a kid, right? I know I'm I'm 100 years old, but when I was a kid, one of my favorite cartoons was Mr. Magoo. I don't know if you remember Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo Thank was you. sort of mm-hmm. like he would sort of stumble and bumble his way into like situations that ended up being successful, but you don't really understand how it happened. He just sort of was like I, you know, and I think that some of what went on with the L.A. management this summer, you know, some of that was going on. It seemed like certain things were kind of done piecemeal. Certain things were done out of order. Vogel's a good coach. But I'm telling you, I mean, we've seen this sort of scenario before with LeBron, where he's been on a team with high expectations. And for some reason, he decided that the coach wasn't to his liking. In Cleveland, it was Tyron Lue just waiting there for David Black, you know, to because LeBron didn't care much for David Blatt. Tyron was right there. If LeBron and Frank have any issues, Jason's right there. I mean, it's sort of look. I hope it doesn't happen. I kind of like the Lakers. I have some friends that are part of the Lakers organization. I want the Lakers to do well, but just you know, I want to I want to see them get off to a good start so that stuff like this isn't even in the discussion.
1: Yeah, I definitely think the league certainly hopes to get them off to a good start. But I got to say, Bruce, I think I'm still taking the Clippers. I don't I don't know this as a fact. I have not pulled up birthdays or time in the league up to say this. But I feel like in general, the Clippers have a better combination of youth and experience to me. I think the Lakers are sort of extreme when you look at that roster. You got either guys that are experienced and we'll call them seasoned and not worn down. And then you got really young guys who haven't played much meaningful minutes. I think the Clippers have a better mix of that. You mentioned Ray John Rondo as someone who you described as prickly. Patrick Beverly is like the now version of that, right? And I just think the Clippers are the team that, granted, everybody swears the Warriors have pulled their feet off the gas or foot off the gas during that playoff run. But this was the team that came back from a 20 plus deficit against the Warriors in the playoffs and at points really looked like they were pushing this warrior squad. So there's a grit about them. There's a thirst about them. And to me, their core has been together. I don't know if I can say core anymore because Paul George and Kawhi just got there, but you still got Harold, you got Beverly, you got Lou Williams, you got doc rivers. Like they have a core that's already been established.
0: And, um, it would be such a bananas Western Conference Final to see the Lakers and Clippers in the Western Conference Final. All seven games at Staples Center. Every Both teams have seven home games in that series. The only difference is that the fans, you know, who's got the Clippers season tickets and who's got the Lakers season tickets? That'll be, that. that could be just unique in the history of the NBA if something like that were to happen. So I've decided that's what I'm rooting for. Clippers, Lakers in the Western Finals – And then whatever happens after, that's gravy.
1: All right. So, again, I'm I'm going to jump in, hit the substitution button, kind of go real left here real quick. (laughs) Yep. We're recording our pod on Tuesday. This morning, ESPN, the conversation, Mike Greeny. throw the formula for the playoffs out with the bathwater, the baby, the expression, all of that. Let's toss it out and go to what the WNBA has essentially done and go top 16 teams. How do you feel about
0: that, Bruce? I don't like it. You know why no. I don't like No, I you're don't like the it. Guy. <laughs> I know, but I don't like it. And the reason that I don't like it is because it's not fair really to do that because the schedule is unbalanced. You know, people don't play every other team the same amount of times. The Western Conference team, they, they, in conference you play each other four times, out of conference you play each other twice, right? So I think that if you're going to do that, I just don't think it's right because you're you're kind of mixing apples and oranges, at least if you're going to do it this way, you're going to say you're competing against people four times a year to make the playoffs in your conference. And you're doing the same over here, because if you're if you're, let's say, the Memphis Grizzlies and you got to play all those Western Conference teams four times a year, right? but you only get the Cavaliers twice and you only get maybe, you know, the Bulls twice, you're at a major disadvantage to make the playoffs ever because you have to go up, you know, you're playing against, you know, teams that, you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. if, if everybody were to play each other the exact same number of times, I I would be okay with that. Although I still don't love it. Cause to me, it's like, I don't know. I want more teams to have exciting, meaningful games late in the season. And I think, you know, by having more teams, more races, so to speak, that's kind of how I feel. And I know some good teams get screwed that way. But it's like, you know what, you change the system, other people are going to get screwed under that system, too. So it's like, okay, you know.
1: That's a good point that I had not considered. The NBA, obviously, is a lot bigger than the WNBA. And I do think that in the W teams, everybody plays each other. Three times. It's, yeah, three times.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, okay, but then let me ask you this. Is this like a historic thing? Like per, outside of Jordan's Bulls? Like has it always been sort of lopsided this way? Like how do we – I mean, okay, Jordan's Bulls and then like the Celtics in their heyday.
0: I don't know that it's been quite like this. Um, but, you know, they've had realignment. Too. I mean, the divisions that exist now, those divisions were different a number of years ago. Milwaukee was in a different, I mean, that stuff has changed over time. So I don't know. I mean, it's one of those deals where it's like, you know, you can find five reasons to do it and five reasons to not do it. So I'm in favor of whatever keeps the most teams and their fans engaged the longest amount of time during the season. Because then it's, to me, then everybody kind of has some reason to care. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. So anyway. I'll agree. Yeah. So anyway, what do you, so what do you think? I mean, you know, we were talking about you know these dynamic duos, right? You know, with Kawhi and and PG thirteen and LeBron and AD. What about uh Russell Westbrook and James Harden in Houston, Monica? They got enough basketballs for that team. So it's
1: okay. So on our my other podcast this week with Clinton Portis, twenty six minutes, we were having this conversation. And you know that saying, I think it's just a saying. I don't think it's actual, actually a fable, although it might be a children's book. But it talks about how the acorn has to fall away from the tree in order to grow, as opposed to falling under the shadow of the tree and it doesn't get sunlight. When I think of Russell and James, for some reason when this trade happened, it never even crossed my mind that they were once teammates in OKC, right? Because they are exponentially different players than when they were a trio in conjunction with Kevin Durant. What I do know about both of those guys is that they're both highly competitive and they have not gotten to a finals since, well, James hasn't gotten to a finals, but Russell hasn't gotten to a final since the, 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 he went with KD, right? Well, the, three, so the two think, of
0: them together were in that finals with KD, but that was 2012. It's a long time ago. Okay. But, well, the three of them together were in, in 2012, and then Russell went back, right? Uh, no, I think they made the finals once in 2012 with KD, and okay. and Harden was like the sixth man that year. He didn't start or anything.
1: Got it. So, the, And then we had the Western Conference finals, not the finals. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Having said all of those things, I do think the one thing that we've negated in this conversation is the desire to win and willingness to make sacrifices and the basketball IQ of those two guys as well, right? As much as we discuss James Harden's antics, is his shot good for the game? How much traveling does he get away with? Can Russell do anything other than go full speed ahead at a basket? I think those statements overlook the intelligence that they play with so for me now I'm looking at D'Antoni like what are you gonna do
0: he's he's got some pressure on him because because he's got I mean he's got two of the last three MVPs there right Russell and James are two of the last three MVPs so and D'Antoni is in he's kind of in a lame duck situation with his contract they he wanted an extension and they haven't signed him to an extension. So this is his, he's in the final year, his deal. So he's going to have to put up or shut up. And he's always been known as a, you know, a very creative, offensive guy. Nobody's ever had two guys like that to work with. So, okay, if you're this offensive genius, help these guys figure it out because, I want to know who else is getting, getting the ball on that team. I mean, they may be able to both get theirs, but I don't know who else is getting the ball on that team.
1: A hundred percent. Now I've also, I had an AAU coach who I love and taught me a lot about the game of basketball and helped me get to college. He's like, do what you do. He used to say that to us. He's like, if you know she's going to shoot, go get the rebound. So maybe literally that those two guys make up your offense and everybody else is crashing the glass with reckless abandon. And that becomes part of their identity. Like, this team is crazy on the offensive glass and defensive glass because they get out in transition and then they just attack because they know the ball is going up. Now, granted, that sounds like a very simple formula. And yes, the game is simple. I don't know what NBA nuances that may not account for, but perhaps we're all overthinking this.
0: One of the things that I think sometimes I forget, and I I follow this as closely as anybody, We talk about, well, you know, James is ball dominant and Russ is ball dominant. And yes, they both are ball dominant, but they're both also two of the greatest assist guys in the NBA. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And guess what? They never had another brother to throw the ball to that can get buckets and help their assist numbers go up too. I mean, I, so I'm, to me, this is one of the most intriguing things that's going to take place this entire season. If those two guys figure out how to crack the code of playing together and and work with what you said, which is basically have the the complementary guys do all the dirty work for them, and they, you know, I mean, and they have guys that'll do that. I mean, you know, PJ Tucker's a pretty legitimate tough guy, and Clint Capella's a good presence on defense, gets rebounds, great at catching alley oop lobs and slamming it down. So, um, I think there is a code; it can be cracked. Will it be cracked?
1: Now, the flip side for me, because I think I'll, I, think we're going to be in a really interesting place in the league where I think defense is going to be a big deal when we get to conference finals and into the playoffs, which is why I tend to lean toward the Clippers. But even if another sexy pick, so to speak, is Utah to surprise some folks, right? Or even a young Denver team. Utah and Denver will defend, right? And so will the Clippers, obviously. That's a large part of their identity. So for me, can the Rockets unlock the offensive code? And then what's going to happen on the defensive end with that group? Because when we get into April, May, you, I don't know that you'll be able to escape without defending.
0: There's never been a championship team that wasn't a really good defensive team. They may not have always gotten credit for it. Like the Warriors, I don't think ever got the proper credit for being as good of a defensive team as they were, maybe still are. But um, yeah, so because defense travels, defense can help you win a game on a night where you can't throw it in the ocean, right? You can win a game 90 to 88 on a night you can't make a shot if your defense is really good. So you're right. No, you know, no defense, no rings. Ooh, it's going to be fun to watch. Okay, so Bruce, we brought up Utah
1: in that conversation. Um, what are your thoughts on the Jazz?
0: You know, they're you use the term, they're kind of a sexy choice, kind of an under the radar team that people think could be in the top three. I happen to be one of those people who believes that. You've got Donovan Mitchell, who's really developed so quickly in his first two years. He played well in the uh, FIBA tournament over the summer. Um, and he's got Mike Conley on the team with him now. Mike Conley, a few years ago, Mike Conley was the highest paid guy in the NBA. People don't remember, remember when he that. signed that big con- he was So Mike Conley is a stud. He's 31 years old, right? He averaged 21 last year. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's one of the smartest guys on the court. He's a winner. I mean, he's a he's a, a real force multiplier, in my opinion. He comes onto that team because they've they've got you know they've got other great complementary pieces too. I mean, Rudy Gobert, top defensive big guy in the entire NBA, right? Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and they uh, they just signed their coach to an extension, Quinn Snyder. Um, and the guys that they have on their team, I think you know, are really good. Uh, you know the the roles I think are very well defined on that team you know guys know what lane they're supposed to be in and uh and and I like them a lot I mean I'm really uh I don't see as many of their games as I should they're in that kind of western conference deal where a lot of what I see of them are their highlights but just knowing that this is the cast of characters they put together I I feel very very good about them I, I don't know if they'll be in the top three, but I don't see them any lower than fourth.
1: Utah and Denver were probably my favorite sort of discoveries in the playoffs last year. Because you're right, we don't. I'm asleep. Sorry, Utah. Like I, can't, I gotta get up and do things. I can't stay up that late. But I am looking to see, and not that Donovan Mitchell had a bad sophomore season. I'm not saying that, but I am looking to see his growth in year three, because he had such a tremendous rookie season, and I think. Last year, we saw him having to adjust and readjust because now you're well-known on the scouting report. We got film on you. You're not finna to get off on us. And so I want to see his game go to the next level. Um, I agree with you 100% on Rudy Gobert, another DMV guy and hopeful guest. Jeff Green is out there. I, again, I just like that balance that they have. Quinn Snyder is obviously a very smart coach. Um, but I, I will be curious to see how this plays out with some of these younger guys it seems when we have off court incidents that there's a sense of pride that they take in their organizations, especially when they're the face like a Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray in Denver. It's, it's just a little bit different. I think than like the guys that would be considered my contemporaries that are like in early thirties. Now the younger guys just kind of have, it's just, it's a little bit different. I can't quite define it. And so maybe we'll call it pride for the sake of this conversation, but I, I feels like that group is another unit. That's like, Hey, we've got something to prove and not a lot of people are giving us the credit that we deserve.
0: You know, Denver is a team that I may be underestimating. I know they had a great season last year. I'm not really feeling them this year, even though I like their guys. I like their coach. I mean, that's the one team that I could be totally 100% wrong about. Cause they were really number two in the West last year. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're more or less returning the same crew. Um, so, you know, we're all talking LA, LA, Houston, Utah. So here's Denver. I mean, you know, they, I, I guess I'm feeling them around fifth this year, but I could end up looking really stupid when we play this tape back in April about that call. <laughs> we will certainly find out. I mean, to me, <laughs> This,
1: uh, the buzz has been a healthy Michael Porter Jr. Well, I mean, I okay, great. I'd love to see it. But for me, again, you got to go back to almost high school to get real tape on the kid because he got hurt in college as well. But does he still have that? Will he be more of a Kawhi type guy, not Kawhi, Kyrie type guy after he got hurt at Duke and still panned out to be fantastic? Or are there is there going to be more adversity in his story? But again, they're a group. Tory Craig out of D.C. Doing some fun things last year in the playoffs. The Joker, Bruce. Come on now. The Joker?
0: He's a badass. I mean, you know, he is one of those guys. He's he's one of those unicorn type guys, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's nobody else like him. You know, they're just... I, I. He's like this combination of these really good skills in this sort of package that doesn't look like a superstar NBA player. He kind of moves at his own pace. You can't speed him up. He, you know, he he handles things pretty well and uh he's got a great nickname. Joker, the Joker. The Joker. Yeah.
1: So we're going to we'll see, but I I will say this, Utah and Denver, I don't think that they are going to surprise people at all the way that they did last year. And speaking of teams that won't sur- well, maybe they will surprise, actually. Maybe I'm leading into this all wrong. But we got the Warriors, although they're not circled necessarily to go to the finals. katie has gone. Klay Thompson, and most recent news, may not play this season, according to Steve Kerr, which I don't know if I actually believe that. Uh, Andre Iguodala is gone. But they still have Steph Curry, not a Hall of Famer, according to Michael Jordan. <laughs> Draymond Green
0: and
1: (laughs) D'Angelo Russell. You mentioned, you admitted that you might be underestimating Denver. Are you underestimating the Warriors?
0: Maybe. I mean, (laughs) never, never. The great Rudy Tomjanovich, right? The former coach of the Houston Rockets, his all-time greatest quote was never underestimate the heart of a champion. And he's 100% right. But, you know, <laughs> Willie Cauley-Stein is on their team, and I've always liked Willie Cauley-Stein, but he's kind of a flake. I mean, you know, he's he's a talented guy, but you sometimes wonder, does he even know, you know, why he's out there? I mean, I loved him coming out of Kentucky, right? Because I remember watching him guard the perimeter. I mean, he's like seven one, right? I remember seeing him at the three-point line Challenging a three-point shooter and taking two steps, two big steps, and he was at the rim. It's like, this guy just eats up distance like nobody that I've seen. So, again, if he plays his game and does some things, he could end up being a real X factor for that team. Because, you know, look, catch a lob, dunk it. You know, help Draymond on defense. Don't make Draymond do everything, you know. Rim, you know, rim protect a little bit. So, yeah, they do have the heart of a champion. You know, Willie Willie Colley-Stein, I'm really interested to see how he plays. D'Angelo Russell, and look, as long as Swaggy G isn't on the team and he's, you know, jumping into his, uh, you know, business with Iggy Azalea, I mean, that's what got him traded out of L.A., right? More than anything else, that's what got him out of L.A. was that little antic that he pulled. So is he going to behave himself? Is he going to, like, you know, stick to business? I would say he probably will. He did it in Brooklyn, right? He was on the All-Star team last year. So we're going to say probably he's good. But, you know, guys go crazy sometimes, right?
1: Yeah. I, we're going to say that hopefully that's out of his system after also poking fun at himself in the Foot Locker commercial, which I thought was A1. That was. That was.
0: Um, I think the What do you think? Thing- what do you think? I mean, you think the Warriors are like a threat to make it to the conference finals?
1: No, I don't. I don't. I also think that Steve Kerr probably knows what his players don't because we've heard him at points talk about fatigue and the toll that it takes to win as many games as they have consistently and get back to the finals as many times as they've been. And so Steve Kerr was one of those Bulls teams, right? Like, So Steve Kerr has a wherewithal that is one of those things that you can only know when you experience it. So I'm not – they may limp into the playoffs just because Draymond Green and Steph Curry. But it's going to be interesting to see Steph Curry without his running mates. Like, have we, we've never really seen Steph with, not not never really, we have not ever seen Steph without Um, And then you mentioned the the all-star power of KD being out of there. This is a very, very different squad. And as dynamic as I think Steph is, and Draymond is one of the toughest guys in the league, I just think they're probably more fatigued and beat up than even they're ready to admit. So I don't really have high expectations for them at all.
0: And you know what, that's probably fine by them, right? Because the expectations being a little bit lowered, you know, maybe they are going to sort of be a little bit under the radar, you know, this year. And uh, again, it's like a lot of teams, right? If you, you want to get home court in the playoffs, if you can, they're probably not going to, but you know what? Avery Johnson told me one time, he's one of the smartest coaches I've ever known. Avery Johnson told me one time that he believes home court is really kind of overrated. He's there. If you're the better team, you should win it in six. It doesn't matter if you have game seven. If you're the better team, you should win it in six on your home court. So if Golden State is better than one of these teams higher up that they might get in the first round, um, they can win on the other team's court. They've done it before. Hmm. You know so
1: else drop us some knowledge
0: that's okay all right yeah now nah, he's so smart we should we should get him on one of these weeks because he's been on some of our other one of our other shows and he's like the greatest coolest guy ever and he's got a million david robinson stories so that's always <laughs> fun <laughs> so so anyway all right monica we've kind of you know we've kind of beaten up you know beaten our way through the west a little bit Let's take a let let let's before we get to the East Coast, let's take a stop in Milwaukee, right? Where, mm-hmm. where uh where Pops McNutt's favorite player, Giannis <laughs> Antetokounmpo, hope Pops is listening this week. I want him to be proud of us for doing the show together. But uh Giannis is back, the reigning MVP. What do you think? They won 60 last year and they didn't make the comp. They didn't make the finals. They lost to Toronto in the Eastern Finals. But a lot of people have them going to the finals this year. What do you think? I'm one of those people. Ah, uh, Am I one of those people? I just don't
1: believe in Philly. And so I'm sorry. Like, that means I have to go with Milwaukee out of the East. Uh, why don't I believe in Philly? We're going to have to get into that. I like Giannis, probably because I'm Pops' child. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Yeah, I'm I'm going with Milwaukee. You you bring back the reigning MVP who has, I won't say he has a work ethic like none other because I think there are some guys that work tremendously hard in the league. But over the last two seasons in particular, I don't know that we've seen anybody take as large strides in their ability and efficiency as we have as Giannis. So I still think he is a matchup nightmare. And that team has no ego maybe Eric Bledsoe, but largely I think that team has no ego and that allows you to work on another level.
0: I really like what they did in the off season. They didn't make any big signings. In fact, they lost a guy mm-hmm. that they probably wish they didn't have to lose Malcolm Brogdon, right? Who went to Indiana. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a, he was a, a really good player for those guys, but, but here's some of the guys that they brought in to kind of work with Giannis. Okay. Kyle Korver, you know, he could wake up in the middle of the night and spot up for a three and make it. Okay. He's also, believe it or not, an underrated rebounder when he's on the court. He gets some boards because he's six, seven, right? And, he, and he'll, mm-hmm. he'll get some rebounds. Robin Lopez joins his brother, Brooke Lopez. Robin, who has been known as a, the enemy of every mascot for every team in the league, is also a legitimate, like, great garbage guy. He'll, he'll, Mm -hmm. he'll play physical. He'll use his fouls. He'll get some rebounds. He'll get some junk on the offensive boards. uh, And he's with his brother, Robin. I mean, is with, with his brother, Brooke. So they got both Lopez brothers in Milwaukee now, which, you know, look, if you need to get a rebound at the end of the game, you can put a couple seven foot guys out there. Not every team can do that anymore. A lot of teams don't have that. And they brought in Wesley Matthews. Okay. Who I think is an outstanding, outstanding glue guy. Veteran has had some injuries. Native of Wisconsin, he's from that area. He went to Marquette. I think he's he's going to be a great fit with that team. So I see Milwaukee doing very well this year. But I'm not with you on Philly. I kind of like Philly. I just
1: I I just I don't know what it is, Bruce. I just can't quite get it. Now here's the one thing before we jump into Philly. I okay. do still need to know who's going to get a bucket for Milwaukee other than um, Giannis, like, full speed ahead, right? Because we've Chris seen start to begin to find wrinkles to slow him down offensively. But I guess that's going to Eric Bledsoe, who can create Chris Middleton, who is an all-star? and perennial all-star? I, all-star? He made, caliber it, well, he made it
0: once. He made it once. He made it.
1: All-star caliber talent. Um, and I think you have to, for a guy like Middleton, you have to separate what seems to be a very docile personality from his ability to play the game. So I still do want to know, like, who's just going to go get me a bucket if Giannis is having off night. But I, I just like this group. I think they'll defend. They were so close last year. They lost to what turned out to be the champions in the league. Like, and you're right. They returned just about
0: everybody. And the guys that they brought in, I think, are all winning type of guys. I mean, Robin Lope, I've always loved Robin Lopez. I mean, he looks kind of like a crazy man with that hair doing everything and the whole stuff with the mascots. But I mean, I'm a Celtics fan and I, I was really, I wanted him to come to Boston so bad. So I think, you know, they got, they still have Ersan Ilyasova who's really good off the bench. So yeah, but, and they, and they, they do play defense, you know, they're a good defensive team and, and they have a good coach, you know, coach Bud, you know, everybody feels like, you know, he's done well wherever he's been. So um, look, milwaukee has as good a shot as anybody to come out of the east and and probably better than anyone but philly and and so philly philly i i know why i think i know why you're a little bit skittish about philadelphia please talk to me therapist bruce be my basketball therapist (laughs) they got a point guard who can't make an outside jumper or a free throw that's a problem that's two problems Two problems. He shoots like 55% from the free throw line. You're a point guard, Ben Simmons. You can't shoot 55% because they'll follow you at the end of the game and you'll, your team will lose. And, oh, by the way, they had a parade in Philadelphia because he made a three-pointer in a preseason game. It was like, c- can you believe it?
1: <laughs> Bruce, I was so annoyed by that. I'm like, are, like, I get that. I'm going to hope at least that part of this was facetious but I need y'all to relax because this is a preseason game. He was largely undefend, like not being defended in that moment. Is this going to be duplicated at an efficient level? I'm not even asking you for a high level. Like, don't give me that. I just, I don't want to hear it. I Milwaukee, not Milwaukee, Philly definitely has the most talented roster in the East period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 However, I just don't buy it. And I think, if I had to come off of my anti-side over to what would be a saving grace for me, I would say it would be Tobias Harris. He's been able to be healthy largely. He has a great all-around game. He can score the basketball. They have less pieces. It seems like it will, will gel a little bit better. But even Joel, to me, for as talented as he is, are we going to see load management? Will we see him kind of showing up with a little bit of antics like what I just I just have a tough time being sold on Philly I don't know what it is
0: well you know like I said they they brought in Al Horford who I think is going to be really really helpful to um to Ben Simmons believe it or not because Al uh first of all he's a he's the guy who guarded Embiid better than probably anybody in the Eastern Conference so that's four games that Embiid doesn't have to play against him and and then you know he'll help Embiid with the minutes. It'll it'll give Embiid more of a chance to rest because Al can play the four or the five. So if they need to give you know Joel a little you know blow, Al can play five minutes. You know at center he did it. You know in Boston, um, I really you know talk about under the radar guys. They brought so they brought in Kyle O'Quinn. Now Kyle O'Quinn is a guy that you know has been an unbelievable chemistry guy on every team he's ever been on. He was on Indiana last year. He was on the Knicks before that. He gives them depth up front, more insurance in case Joel, you know, he's had some injuries over the years, let's face it. But I think they have beefed up their front line nicely with with bringing in O'Quinn and and, uh, Al Horford. And again, they're going to miss J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick was a really good three-point shooter for them. Jimmy Butler, obviously, you know, I mean, he was really kind of their closer. So, you know, but they also brought in Josh Richardson, who was on Miami, who's actually averaged like 16, I think, last year, if I remember. So listen, um, there's going to be nights where you don't want to play those guys. (laughs) And a lot of those For sure, I mean, Uh, NBA, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there, but I mean, clearly, after the 1 and 2 in the east whichever way it finishes whether it's Philly Milwaukee Milwaukee Philly i don't think anybody figures boston is going to crack the top 2 or you know indiana or anyone like that but you know boston is kind of intriguing
1: boston yeah i want to see what kemba is going to do
0: kemba will kemba will be a lot less of a headache than Kyrie was. Kemba was an All Star last year. You know, Kemba's is a good there, fourth quarter player,
1: for sure. Is there a world in which Kemba? Well, I, I got a who? Okay, wait. Who all does Boston return from the year that Kyrie was hurt? Right, like Gordon Hayward is still there. Jalen Brown just got that big deal. Jason Tatum. Yep. Yeah. I don't
0: uh, Mar- um, be- Marcus Marcus Smart who in many ways is kind of like the heartbeat of that team. Now you don't have Al Horford anymore. No Al Horford, no Aaron Baines. Um, No. Yeah. I mean, no, no, he's, he's in Miami. Uh, No, I mean, but you do have Ennis Cantor and Ennis Cantor, although he's a terrible defender, he, couldn't guard a statue okay um he is a great rebounder he's got great hands he's a great offensive rebounder they're going to get six points a game out of him just on the offensive boards i believe you know if he plays enough minutes uh Mm -hmm. so but again their perimeter uh defense you know with with smart out there it's pretty good But their concern is going to be, I think, rim protection. They have a couple young guys that they think might be good, but they haven't proven themselves yet. Robert Williams is a good good guy.
1: Taco Fall.
0: (laughs) Taco, Taco, I was so glad that they got Taco Fall this year because he, to me, is like total project, right? Not ready for prime time yet, but seems very coachable seems like he's like alert out there i mean he's got like a, a a little twinkle in his eye when he's out on the court you know which tells me that he wants to do well and he's not just you know there are you know i he's gonna spend a lot of time in the g league He's signed a two-way contract right which means mm-hmm. he can spend a bunch of time in the g league and in the nba so um is he a, is he a dmv guy no
1: he is not he went to ucf and he's i don't think no know where he go to high school I want to say he also went to high school in Florida
0: I mean I think he was born in Africa but I mean he came to the states you know in plenty of time to play high school ball and everything
1: for sure for sure for sure um now I will say this about Boston could this be a group in which we begin to see what has been the prophecy over Brad Stevens which seemed to be too soon and premature last year and that he would be the next great coaching mind if he make, if he shakes it up with this group, then I think I'm ready to have that conversation again. But last year I was very disappointed and did not think that he felt his fair share of heat for what was happening in Boston, but that's just me.
0: He's probably the happiest guy in Boston that he's got Kemba instead of Kyrie because mm-hmm. he, he must've spent more money on like, you know, aspirin than any coach in the league last year. Cause all the headaches that, that Kyrie was causing. And again, I liked Kyrie. I wished he would have stayed. Okay. But he didn't. He wanted to go do his thing elsewhere. So that's cool. So yeah, I think. You wish he would have
1: stayed, Bruce, seriously?
0: I did. I mean, because to me, his talent is so unbelievable. And it was always just a mental thing with him. I mean, and, and and a little bit of a physical thing, but when it came to, I mean, have you ever seen handles like that? Had, I mean, He's, you know, he could fit some of the ways that he would finish where he's spinning the ball off the glass from these crazy angles and against big guys and stuff. But again, I have a lot of friends that are Celtics fans that are like, good riddance. Glad he's gone. Yeah. Kemba's, b- Kemba's going to be just fine. And I think Kemba will be just fine. And look, and we can get to Kyrie in a second because Kyrie, Kenny Atkinson could end up taking over the title from Brad Stevens, of most in need of aspirin this year. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. So, but yeah, I mean, he always struggled with leadership, Kyrie. And now guess what? Until KD comes back, he is the leader of the Brooklyn Nets, Monica.
1: Ah, the Brooklyn Nets.
0: Kyrie's got both hands on the wheel. He's got him at 10 and two. He's in charge. He's driving that thing. Okay. Is he is he driving it what off is, the Brooklyn Bridge is the question.
1: I wonder how much Kyrie learned in this offseason or even through the experience in Boston as he moves into a new organization. Or is he taking the same guy with him? The difference to me, I almost feel like in Boston, those guys sort of begrudgingly welcomed him back because they kind of had a good thing going. Whereas in Brooklyn, yes, they had a good thing, but you've got I don't want to use the word "vets," but you've got some players who have been around the league long enough to understand the dynamics and needing a caliber talent of a Kyrie and Kevin Durant, who seem to me be a little bit more pliable to allow to give him room to be Kyrie within their system
0: I think that's a really good point. I mean, because they did have a lot of success when he was injured the year before. And everyone just assumed, oh, now that he's back, they're really going to go over the top and be great now. And it didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And in Brooklyn, they don't they don't have as many um established guys as they did in Boston. So maybe maybe they're gonna be more maybe that's a better group for him to try and lead.
1: Right. And what we've seen, at least through the offseason and Karis Lavert going on his media tour about recruiting, is, you know, they wanted Kyrie to come and join their squad. And again, though, I think those guys are a little less naive than the Boston crew who were like, we're good. Like, we can handle it. And those guys recognize that this is the piece that we need to take it over the top. What do I expect out of Brooklyn this year? Playoffs, yeah, but I still think it's either Philly or Milwaukee coming out of the East. I don't think they're coming out of the East until KD gets back.
0: Agreed. 100% agree. So uh, let's let's take the four train, Monica. We're going to take the four train from Barclays Center to over to MSG for your New York Knickerbockers with That's- R.J. Barrett and all those guys and Coach Fizz and what – and about nine power forwards on their roster. <laughs> oh, my God, not all nine of them. You know, it is
1: tough to be a DMV girl. I got my Wizards. And technically, by association, uh, and my career growth, which I'm pumped about, I guess you're right. The Knicks do become my next adopted team. I'm just—it's just an embarrassment of riches and
0: in, in quality basketball over here. You're but stuck anyway. with them. You're stuck with them. <laughs> you got them. You want them. You got them. Um, They're all yours. They're a now, disaster. This is,
1: I, this is what I will say, and I don't know if it matters. And we had Buster on this show. He's like, "Why not?" Right. So one of the things I got an opportunity to do with the Knicks guys is hang out with them on marketing day, which is not to be confused with media day. As an MSG employee, we got to do some elite content or exclusive content, which was just generally some conversations. So one of my questions, Bruce, what do you want from the media? Like, what do you want fans and media to understand? And how tired are you of being asked about, what you guys can accomplish this season, right? So Kadeem Allen actually said to me, he's like, I'm so sick of that question. He's like, for everybody that's picking us out, I want to know why they're picking us out. Like, why not us? You know what I mean? Now, I am not saying that this team is going to win 55 games and shock everybody, right? But I am saying the idea that each game is an opportunity is very real within this group. And the addition... Of, I don't want to mess up the first name. Marcus Morris is now a Nick. Yep. Marcus Marcus Morris is now a Nick. Really good player. I love Marcus Morris. Right. Taj Gibson is great. Julius Randle is very, very thoughtful. All of those guys love Fizz. Is there lots to figure out about the Knicks? Sure. But is there a possibility? So you're saying there's a chance? Why not? I mean, look at the East. Bruce, like, Julius yeah. Randle is a is a solid player. Like Taj Gibson, Marcus Marcus Morris, excuse me, those guys know their roles. And then you got Alonzo Trier, who is beginning to really turn heads in this league. RJ Barrett. I mean, come, I mean, why not?
0: I think first of all, I'm I was kind of playing with you a little bit there. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not uh, hating on the Knicks. I'm just kind of saying, all right, you know. Interesting choices. But here's what I do like about the Knicks. I like Coach Fizz. I think he is the kind of coach that is right for a team like this. I like having guys like Marcus Morris and Taj Gibson in the locker room and at practice and during the games. See, I see Morris as being like the guy who will play the most minutes out of, you know, Randall, of course, he'll start. But I see Morris playing more minutes than, say, Taj Gibson. But a guy like Taj Gibson is a very professional guy. And there's mm-hmm. some young, impressionable guys on that team, like, for instance, Kevin Knox, like Frankie Smokes, like, um, like Iggy Bradzikas, like R.J. Barrett, even Bobby Portis, who came over as one of their nine power forwards. He's a really good player. I really like Bobby He's Portis. a very good player and has a very unfortunate
1: rap. He is not like what we heard out of the situation in Chicago at all.
0: No, he had that deal where he punched Nikola Meritich or something. Well, Nikola Meritich, that punch got him to go all the way back to Europe. He's not even league anymore, right? So <laughs> he's playing for like some team in Spain or Italy or somewhere. I don't even know where. But Bobby Portis is a total under-the-radar get for those guys. He's going to have some nights where the Knicks fans just absolutely love him, and I think if the guys like like you know Marcus and and um, and uh, Taj, they're going to work with these guys in practice, and these guys know how to be successful. So between Fizz leading leading from the, the the coaching spot and some of these vets, I, I I would not be shocked if they made it to the eighth spot. I'm not predicting it. You know, I think Chicago might be a little bit better than them. I think Atlanta might be a little bit better than them. But you know what? Injuries happen. Then a couple things go your way. You never know. So, yeah, I would. Lo- I think it would be good for the league if the Knicks made that eighth spot. But I don't see them going any higher than that. Yeah, that's that becomes, woo, wow, this
1: is quite a coaching job by Fizz. And those guys in front office knew something that we all didn't know If they, if it becomes better than that. I agree with you. And, and talking with, like, Taj and those guys, they, they take being mentors and showing these guys how to be consummate pros very seriously. And so even if it doesn't yield in the win column, I do think that those young guys will be better for having played alongside those veterans this season. And, and we'll see. Like, it's a process. Um, and as Alan Hahn, our friend, points out, like, they've got, they're in good positions in drafts coming in the next couple years. So, you know, maybe this is just layer one of the brick lane.
0: And, and that's right. And again, you know, when the expectations are low, just go out and play hard. The New York fans appreciate that. They know they're they're smart fans. They're probably some of the smartest in the entire league. They know that this team isn't a real serious threat to do a lot of damage, but they just want to see progress. And they won 17 games last year they should easily be able to double that number this year. They should at least get into the low 30s mid 30s. And so, yeah, I think there'll be there there's good times in the future. But I, there's so, there's one guy in this league whose name we haven't mentioned yet that I'm very worried about. And that would be Zion Williamson. I am concerned that he needs to do something about dropping some weight. He's going to miss the first 6 to 8 weeks of the season he's got a knee problem. He he jumps out of the gym, but he's 285 pounds, Monica. That's a lot of weight coming down, a lot of torque coming down on those knees and those feet. Does this man need a, a new chef?
1: <laughs> Bruce, this one is, I think I heard today Jay Williams say, and I actually heard this over the summer that he's like, one of the, like the third heaviest guy in the league, or something like ranking down. There's only two guys in the league heavier than him, and they're both over seven feet tall. That's correct. Um, and they don't is, jump like him. They're not
0: forty inches up in the air like him. The Zion, to me,
1: I don't. I think his. I this is. Yeah, I was the. First, I was. I won't say I was not on the Zion train over the summer leading into the draft, but I always was curious about what position he was going to defend. And perhaps that's far too much focus on defense in a league that is largely motivated by offense. But that was always sort of my question. How does this game translate to the next level other than being strong and powerful because at the next level guys are strong and powerful? Not only are guys at the next level strong and powerful, I think they have a better understanding and grasp of their bodies how to use them, how to protect them. If Zion loses this weight, however many pounds is suggested, does that change his game? Is he prepared for the change in his game?
0: Would he, That's, you know what I mean? Like, would he yeah. still be considered? Will he still be Zion if he's 260? Right? right? That's what because you're saying.
1: I don't know. Exactly. Like, he, he may get you with on a perimeter, short corner. First quick first step into a move, into the paint. But if he's Paul George's size, I don't know how heavy Paul George is, and I don't know if he would get that light. Is he three dribbles, getting into rhythm, shaking and baking on the perimeter, and still getting into the paint? Because would he have the girth to get in the same position that he gets into now?
0: Totally. I totally get what you're saying. I mean, you know, guys, sometimes when they've changed their bodies, they lost other things that made them who they were. And that's what you're saying here. So I don't know. But to me, I'm looking at one of the things, I mean, if, if he wasn't such an incredible jumper where he was so high up in the air, I wouldn't be as worried, but I mean, when you got all that, I mean, the you've I'm sure you've played with a lot of players who had knee problems and foot problems, because that's a lot of, I mean, those particular joints weren't necessarily made to play NBA basketball, or major women's college basketball or any high level of basketball. And so I just, I just hope that however it works for him, I just don't want him to have like three great years and then his body breaks down on him. And it's like, God, what might've been? So I don't know the answer. And it's really, that's why I'm worried about him because I don't know which way this thing is going to go with him. He seems like a wonderful guy with a, with a great personality and you know, a lot of guys would have thrown a hissy fit that they didn't end up with the Knicks; they ended up in New Orleans. He's embraced it, and I think he's happy to be in the league. So he just seems like a guy that you want to love. And I, when when I love guys, I don't want their careers to end prematurely. You're such a loving guy, Bruce. Well, you I know, agree I'm with you. The I game and the people, you. you know.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I would use the word prematurely. His career arc is going to be one that's certainly fascinating. And in a way, it reminds me of John Wall here in D.C. John will never be the same having ruptured, torn his Achilles. But John already was starting to not be the same having had to sit out because of his knees and his feet. And I I think for Zion, hopefully there are people in his corner that will help him get ahead of the curve. Because if he's when he's healthy, if he's taking these off seasons in the early parts of his career, developing his game, expanding his game to save his knees, then maybe he can stretch out the longevity of his power, pick his spots when he's jumping, as opposed to his rookie year, just jumping all over the place. You know what I mean? So it's going to require some intelligence from him. He probably will be one of the youngest, most users of load management, which makes sense because the league and networks and everybody wants to see Zion. Um, But it's it's going to be a fascinating one to watch for sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, look, I like i said i'm worried about him cuz i just want him to do well i mean i just you know you don't you don't ever want to see someone with a unique set of talents like that you want to see them blossom and be what they can be and uh yeah but maybe we've seen the best of he can be bruce what if that's the case well then he's greg oden
1: <laughs> god i didn't want to say it i didn't want to say it but what if like zion's best is going to be a 3 year run
0: and then the, his game will change. We better get the best that we can get out of the three years. Let's, you know, let's – what you said a few minutes ago about him was exactly I, – I, I was, like, looking at the screen nodding like a bobblehead <laughs> doll when you said it. Because it's like pick your spots to show off yeah. your athletic skills. You know, if you happen to end up on a wide open, you know, if somebody had a turnover and you're out in front and you got the ball in the open court and you're going to go in for a, either a fancy dunk Or a gentle dunk do the gentle dunk you know lay it in you don't have to be on sports center you know on those plays you're going to be on sports center you're zion williamson you know if you have a good game you're going to be the entire highlight most nights so don't worry about being flashy just just you know just do your thing do do you and 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 learn to moderate those moments All right, we have to wrap up soon because you and I have been talking for over an hour, if you can believe that. Oh my gosh. I know it, right? It's like, you know, if we were kids, our parents would be like, get off the phone, you know, (laughs) someone else needs to use the phone. So so we gotta make our predictions here, right? Give me, give me your give me your Western conference finalist, your Eastern Conference finalist, and your champion. Definitely got Clippers coming out of West. I'm still going with the Bucks coming out of the East,
1: and I think it goes to the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard is in his bag. We'll be writing about this two-year stretch for Kawhi Leonard and all the history that he makes years from now. He'll get a 30 for 30. It'll start with the laugh from Media Day last year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I got the Lakers, and I got the 76ers, and I got the Lakers. Winning. I was going to say,
1: you take the Sixers over the
0: Lakers. I'm shocked. <laughs> no, no, I said the Lakers over the Sixers. Yeah, I got you. I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I expected. And so then, Danny Green gets his third championship with three different teams. LeBron James gets his third championship with three different teams, and they and and then they can start clearing room after they put the Kobe statue up outside the Staples Center, which is the next one to go up. Then they can clear out a little spot for number 23. <laughs>
1: Wow.
0: I know, right? I know. I told you I was a big LeBron fan. I told you. (laughs) You have been loyal. I respect that.
1: All right. Let's go. Time to stick the landing. This show has been fantastic. Really quick disclaimer. We've recorded the show prior to the start of NBA action, so this is Tuesday night. Um, thank you to all of our listeners. Oh, wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. This show's dropping Thursday, right? So somebody has a birthday oh, yeah, that's on right. Thursday, don't they? Isn't somebody turning like oh, a certain goodness. age on Thursday or am I like I tripping am turning- here? Am I tripping here or am I like, is somebody yeah, turning you, 30 on. on
1: Thursday? You are spot on. I am turning 30 on Thursday and I'm so excited. <laughs> Honestly, one of my birthday gifts. I consider the Pure Hoops family one of my birthday gifts. Um, it has been a tremendous year. I don't know if listeners follow me on social spaces. You see me doing 50 but different things. I'm so excited. I love the game of basketball. It has brought me so many opportunities. Um, pumped about the podcast, the Pure Hoops Media family, doing stuff with MSG. The 150 is back this year around the Knicks. Jumping in with the ACC Network covering women's basketball. but We're going to leave the door open for some men's college basketball as well. CBS Sports Network is coming Fox Sports 1 and the Big East, my primary conference that I love so dearly. Um, it has been a journey. over time. all, all the folks that I've had a, the tremendous opportunity to work with through basketball. I'm so excited and grateful rolling into 30. Like 20s have been fun and real, but I'm excited to see
0: what the next decade brings. You're on fire, Monica. You really are. Happy birthday. I'm not going to sing happy birthday because <laughs> I cannot sing, but <laughs> you're, you're the best. I love you. I love working with you. I hope you have a wonderful celebration and, and uh, save a little room for me and your very busy schedule.
1: <laughs> Bruce, you know I got you.
0: We got to do the pod every Thursday. BBB beep,
1: pod right here. <laughs> All, right, All right, on that
0: note. Yeah.
1: Um, guys, enjoy the NBA season kicking off. Okay, let me make sure I get this in. Thank you, thank you for listening. Bruce, you've been incredible. I love your NBA knowledge, your NBA takes, bouncing ideas back and forth. Um, This podcast was fantastic. Thank you to our awesome ace editor, Ben Wolfen, who makes us all sound good. Please be sure to check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and his guest this week is acclaimed NBA journalist Harvey Araton of the New York Times. Catch and Shoot has a special on North Carolina basketball this week. And the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops every Friday. They also have a fresh season preview that's live right now, so check it out. BJ really makes you think, so definitely check that one out. And, of course, Thursdays, I'm back with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I should just, I should just say Bruce and I are back with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. <laughs> um, until then, guys, enjoy NBA Week 1 and all of your hoops. Whatever it is you're taking in, we'll catch up with you next week.
0: Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Bye.
1: Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. <sighs>